As we're going through this series in the Gospel of Luke, I hope you are taking advantage of the reading outline that we provided, or you're at least reading through the Gospel of Luke as we go along. In the weeks we have, there's no way that we can cover every chapter and every verse, so if you read through the text for yourself, you will get an even more thorough vision of who Jesus is. Last week, you know, as Andrew shared with us, we looked at Jesus on what is called the Mount of Transfiguration. And that episode in Jesus' life was another confirmation of who he was, that indeed he was God in flesh, that he indeed came to save us from our sin through his death. We also saw in that episode that even those closest to him did not fully grasp in that moment of who Jesus was. And with all that he had done, I've often amazed that they couldn't grasp who Jesus was. But I have to remind myself that at this moment, as I read through the gospel, that these believers or these followers of Christ at this time did not have the benefit of Jesus' resurrection. And it was truly the resurrection of Jesus Christ that displayed most fully that he was who he said he was and could do what he said he could do. Now, because so many people didn't understand who Jesus was, there was many who opposed him. At the end of chapter 11, in fact, we even read these words. It says, as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Now, when I read these words, one of the things that come to mind is how much anxiety it would bring to someone's life if he or she knew that at every turn someone was watching them trying to catch them in a simple mistake. Here, to hear them say one little thing that was wrong or to do one little thing that seemed questionable. When I think about this in our day and time, I, I say this, I could imagine being in the political world today where everything that you speak is so analyzed that one little misspoken word can be taken out of context and, and make it seem like you're the worst person in the world. You know what I'm talking about? I, I wouldn't want to be in that world today. There's so much, has to be so much anxiety to have that job. Well, at this phase in Jesus's life, though he faced, he faced this sort of scrutiny from his enemies and, and they, they were looking again to charge him anything that could bring against him, any little fault they could accuse him of. In fact, in the midst of this tense atmosphere, though we see Jesus even face another kind of anxiety, the anxiety that comes with popularity. Look now, as we read beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together, they were trampling one another. You see, yes, Jesus had his enemies that were looking for anything to, to bond him at fault, but the reality for the average person in Jesus' day was that Jesus was popular among them. I mean, he had healed the sick. I mean, he had cast out demons. He, he taught with an authority like no other. Here was this man who showed compassion that was unparalleled. His love was no doubt pure. People wanted to be near him. And so can you imagine the anxiety that would come with being so popular that when the people are crowding together that they're trampling each other to get close to you? I can't even imagine that anxiety. The anxiety level for Jesus had to be high. Now, we also see in the midst of Jesus' personal anxiety moments that he speaks words that can bring anxiety to our lives. Because he goes on to say this in Luke 12, verse 1. He began to say to his disciples first, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the mountaintops. Now, here he was really addressing the hypocrisy of the religious leaders who were opposing him, but the words he speaks 
surely would make all of us a little anxious this morning, were they not? Think about it. Does it make you a little anxious to think that everything that you have ever covered up will someday be revealed? Or that everything you said in the dark will be heard in the light? Or things that you've said in private would be proclaimed on the, the mountaintops? Does that make you a little anxious this morning? All right, if, if you don't gather that, let me ask you, I wonder if I invited you on the stage this morning and said this. This morning, we have a little video of your life, and on the screen, we're going to show everything that you've ever said behind closed doors, everything you thought you said in secret that nobody heard. We're going to put it on the screen this morning. Would you then be anxious? Absolutely, right? Because none of us wants to go through that. I guarantee every one of us today would be anxious if we'd heard these words that Jesus said. It is clear, again, in these verses that I've just shared with you that we see things that bring high levels of anxiety, all right? In fact, let me go ahead and ask you before we go on this morning, by a show of hands, has anybody here had your anxious moments? All right. In fact, every hand should go up because here's my guess, you've even experienced anxiety this very week. There are students here who have experienced anxiety over a test you're getting ready to take. Or maybe it was a band student who was anxious that they might lose their chair in the band. It might be the boy who was anxiously preparing to ask the girl out, wondering, is she going to say yes? But this time of year, it might be the senior who is anxious to hear if they're going to get into the college they want or receive the scholarship they are hoping for. Then there are, there are young adults here this morning who are anxious to see if they're going to get the new job that they applied for. Or maybe, are they going to be able to buy that home that they put an offer in on? Or maybe is the anxiety of having your first child? Or if it's not that, maybe it's the anxiety of having children and saying, am I going to raise them right or am I going to mess them up? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Or others here this morning may be anxious about paying the bills this month or anxious to hear what the doctor is going to say about the test you just had. The older you get, the more anxious you become about having enough money to retire on someday or how bad the pain in your body is going to get. What I know is this, anxiety is something everyone deals with. And here in Luke 12, as Jesus finds himself in what is anxious moments, and as he even himself speaks about something that would bring anxiety to our lives, we're going to see what he is going to say to us this morning, do not be anxious. Words that we may not want to hear because we find it so hard not to be anxious. Today's scripture is going to get very practical for you if you are one of these people that I've spoken about that experiences anxiety. In fact, before we're gone, won't we do this? Somebody close to you, won't you look at them and say, this is for you. Go ahead. Y'all so nervous to do that. You say, this is for you, all right? Now, if you didn't say it to somebody next to you, go ahead and say it to yourself. Self, this is for you, okay? Because we all need it. For anyone who experiences anxiety, Jesus' words here in chapter 12 will give you some great insight. And so, first, here's what I want us to do. I want us to consider the reasons for our anxiety. As Jesus addresses those who have gathered near him, he's going to touch on the major anxiety points in our lives. I love even the fact that as he starts his teaching, he says these simple words at the beginning of verse four. He says, I tell you, my friends. In other words, Jesus is teaching out of his love for his friends. He loves us. Do you know Jesus loves you? He loves you and he wants the best for your life. He wants the best for my life. And his intent is to help us. And in this moment, to help those he was speaking to deal with their anxiety. And what are the reasons of the anxiety he addresses? Well, let's quickly list them first, all right? First of all, it's this, anxiety over what others might do to you. 
Listen to the rest of verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. With these simple words, Jesus acknowledges that one of the things that we have anxiety over is clearly what others might do to us. If anyone day does a quick evaluation of your anxiety, much of it would come back to your fear of others in one form or another. Now, the next area that brings us anxiety is this. It's anxiety over your ability to please God. In fact, beginning in verse 8, Jesus speaks about confessing God before others, then mentions what some have called the unpardonable sin that I will address briefly in a moment, but then gets to the heart of the matter when he says this in verse 11, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. And there it is. The thing that often brings us anxiety is this fear as a believer that somehow I will not be able to please God because I won't know what to say or do when the moment to stand up for God presents itself. Let's be honest and say this. Sometimes this anxiety keeps us from ever attempting anything for God. People truly have anxiety over their ability to please God. Then another major reason for our anxiety is found in the section beginning in verse 22 when Jesus says, He said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body and what what you will put on, which points us to the fact that we have anxiety, that we will not have what we need or want. You see, this may be the one area that is most obvious to us because it seems that constantly that we have a a bill to pay or a new outfit to buy or a a vehicle to repair, do maintenance on the house, and these things bring to mind the things that we feel that we need or want. And then when it seems tough to get these things, we become very anxious. Now, I know I mentioned these things, these three areas very quickly, but let's consider this. Let's let's go back to each one of those again, this time doing this. Let's ask ourselves the question, if these are the reasons that I become anxious, what are the lessons that I learn from that anxiety? Because I believe each one of them teach us something about our lives. Think about this. The first one is we think about fearing of others. It tells us this, that we fear the wrong ones. Again, look again at verse four. I tell you, my friends, Do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. Jesus, in essence here, said, why do you fear others? The worst that they can do to you is kill you. And that's our fear, right? Though most of the time we don't fear that they will physically kill us, you do feel they will kill you with their words. Whether that is making you feel worthless or embarrassing you in front of others or just shattering your dreams. Maybe you fear that somehow they will kill your self-esteem or kill your confidence. Sometimes you fear that they will kill your chance at the job or the ability to be liked by others. Sometimes it's just that they, uh, they, 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 the fear that they will kill the belief that they will like you or accept you. Can we all even face this fact? Okay, I should have put this as a point, but I didn't. Let's face this fact that too often you let people have power over you that they should not have. You let the thoughts or the actions of others dictate what you do. Whatever that fear of them is, you have often let others dictate your actions. Jesus is saying that should not be so. And hear me when I say this. Jesus was not trying to be sarcastic when he said all they can do is kill the body. It was an honest word from Jesus. 
A word that is meant to remind us that what is most important is not what happens in this life or in this world, but ultimately what happens in eternity. You see, we get so caught up in the present that we fail to see eternity. Because the present is so evident before us, we then live our lives based on the current reality. And so we let circumstances and mostly other people dictate our lives. Again, I, I don't know who that person is for you. It could be a boss. It could be a spouse. It could be an ex-spouse. It could be a coach. It could be a coworker. It could be a friend. It could be a fellow church member. But you let that person and the fear of what they can do to you dictate your life. And God's word to any one of us would be that you should not let the fear of others dictate the direction of your life, okay? But Jesus' word then goes on to teach us that we often fear the wrong ones, and then we learn from his word that we fail to trust God. You see, if I'm going to be real honest on this point, though, I'm gonna say this. We fail to trust God, but maybe the greater issue is this. We trust in our strength more than we should. Consider this, even when it comes to your salvation and standing before God, what do you judge as whether you are good enough for the Lord or not? You tell me. What, what is it that you use as a standard of whether you are good enough for the Lord or not? Anybody, anybody brave enough to say something? No, because it makes you anxious that you might give the wrong, well, wrong answer, right? Okay. Well, okay, I'll give it to you then. Don't you have this tendency to look at your performance, your righteousness, and what you have or have not done for God to determine whether you have a right standing with God? Check your head this way. That's yes, okay? If what I've said is not clear enough, what I mean is this. You have this tendency to believe that your salvation is based upon your effort. Just look at how Jesus addresses this. In verse 8, he says, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. You tell me, according to these words of Jesus, what does your standing before God depend upon? It depends upon your faith in Jesus and will you proclaim him? You see, many people even look at this text and they want to talk about the unpardonable sin and what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Folks, I'm going to tell you, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is simply to refuse to believe in Jesus and his work in your life. It's to refuse the Holy Spirit that is convicting you of sin and trying to convince you that Jesus is the only way of salvation. And when you deny that, you've created the un, 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 only sin that cannot be pardoned, your refusal to believe in Jesus Christ. Everything else, even, did you notice this? Even you can speak a word against the Son of Man and be forgiven. Only when you refuse what the Holy Spirit is convincing you about Jesus Christ can you not be forgiven. Do you get that clear this morning? You see, everything you may do this morning that is not pleasing to God can be forgiven because ultimately salvation is not based upon your effort but on what Jesus did for you. And so ultimately when you have anxiety, even regards to your ability to please God, it is when you are failing to trust him. Jesus even made it clear when he said these words in verses 11 and 12, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should do. Say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in the very hour what you ought to say. In other words, if you trust God, you don't have to be anxious because even in the moment, the Holy Spirit can give you the right words to say for him. In other words, your ability to please God is not about you. 
It is about your willingness to let God have control of your life. And so when we are anxious, we learn that we often fail to trust God. Now, as we recognize this, let's confess that we all do this at times, do we not? All right, we do. And then we can then look at the other thing that brings us anxiety, which is this, we pursue the wrong things. I mentioned how often when there is a bill to pay or something that needs to be bought, we become anxious. But Jesus looked at this aspect of our lives and he said to his disciples in verse 22, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, Jesus' words here are not meant to say we are not to eat or to wear clothes because I'm really happy you all wore clothes this morning, okay? But he is acknowledging that we become consumed about the material things in life and fail to consider that there is so much more that God has for us. We get so consumed with material things in life that they drive our lives rather than our lives being driven by the most important things, which is ultimately the things of God and his will for our lives. Now, if the lessons that we learn from our anxiety is that we fear the wrong things, that we fail to trust God and that we pursue the wrong thing, it begs us to ask a question. Well, how do we correct this? Well, we need to ask this question because the answer to this question then gives us the solutions to our anxiety. And so, what are the solutions to our anxiety? Well, let's go back to each of these again. The first would be this. It's fearing, fear God, knowing he cares. All right. Now, this may say a little, sound a little strange to you, but hear me when I say this. The answer to our anxiety is not the absence of fear. Does that sound a little strange? The, the, the answer to our anxiety is not the absence of fear because fear can be a healthy thing. For example, it's the fear of being mauled that is going to keep me from walking into a lion's cage at the zoo. Right? It is the fear of being burned that is going to keep my hand from intentionally touching a hot burner. The absence of fear in our lives is not the solution. The solution to our anxiety is fearing the right thing. Fearing others is not what removes anxiety from your life, but what can is, are you ready? It's the proper fear of God. Look at what Jesus said in verse 5. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sowed for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more value than many sparrows. Remember, what is the worst thing that someone can do to you? Go ahead and say it. Kill. You don't, have, you don't have to be anxious. That's the right answer. Okay? The worst thing that they can do is kill you. But hear me, they cannot do anything to your soul. A person cannot dictate your eternity. But there is one who can, and that is God. And since God is the one who ultimately is in control of your eternity, he is the one you should fear. Fear God, remembering this, that fearing God is much different than fearing other things. I would fear a lion because it desires to eat me, right? I would fear a hot burner because it would burn me. But to fear God is different because fearing him means you respect his power and his authority, but you do that knowing this, that God cares for you. 
In fact, Jesus made this plain when he mentioned that we could consider the insignificant worth of sparrows who'd be sold for just mere pennies, but God still cares for them. Jesus then makes an incredible recognition of God's power when he says that even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Though I know for some of you that's more difficult than others. God has every, listen, he has every hair on your head numbered. And if he knows you with that much detail, you can be assured of this, that you are much more valuable than the sparrows. In other words, he cares for you tremendously. What that tells you is, is this, that he wants the best for you. He wants what's right for you, and he will do what is best for you. Therefore, if you look to him and let what he thinks drive your life versus what others think, then you can be assured that he will lead you in the right direction. To make it clear, his opinion about your life is the one that really matters. See, not only should you fear God because he cares You should then trust God knowing he is there. Let's remember, who is it that we often trust? Ourselves, okay? What is the issue with that? We often fail, okay, right? Now, if we move away from ourselves to trust others, which sometimes we do, what is the problem with that? They often fail. We find that one easier to say, right? They do. They fail us at times. Because we fail, we get anxious. Because others fail us, we get anxious. But look at what Jesus says. Again, I've read this before. Let's read it again. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This is so important for us who are especially believers to hear. Because remember when I started today, I recognized that the reason for some anxiety is our fear of failing to please God. What we need to know is that if we will trust God and do our best to follow Him, He will be there for us. Even like this morning, as I speak with you, I've done my best to prepare and to be ready to share with you. But you know what I have to do? First, I have to remind myself of this, that you are not the ones I have to fear today. All right? I don't have to fear. I cannot, I cannot stand before you and say what is I'm most concerned about is whether when people leave today where they're going to look at me and say, well, that was a great message. I can't be worried today about when people leave today if they're going to say, well, that was an outstanding job. No, I first have to be concerned with would God say, good job. I have to be concerned about would God say, you've been faithful to my word this morning and watch you preach. I first have to fear him. You know why that's important, folks? Because I worried about fearing you. You know how many Sundays I would stand up here and preach? Zero. Zero. Because I'm like, you have this tendency to be concerned of what others think about me. So I have to put that aside and say, that's not what's important. But what's important is God. I'm seeking to please you. Now, as I, I trust in him, the second thing I have to do is to come and say, Lord, as, as I share, as I fear you this morning, as I should, again, I am going to trust, Lord, the rest to you. I trust that the Holy Spirit can even do the work that only he can do, that he can work in the lives of those who are listening to this morning. See, even with that in mind, I can rest because here is what is assured, that God is here, that God is present, that the Holy Spirit is at work. 
Now, here's what I also know. Not everyone's going to receive even what I say today. Jesus didn't say, do not be anxious in front of the rulers and authorities because I will make them accept your word or make them be kind to you. Is that what he said? No, he said the Holy Spirit will give, be there to give you the right words to say that he will be right there with you. Even knowing this, sometimes the end result is not what you'd hoped for. If you don't believe me, go read Acts chapter 7. There was a man there named Stephen. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He proclaimed the truth of God. And you know what they did to Stephen in Acts chapter 7? Some of you know his stories. What did they do? They stoned him. But as he was dying, he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And you know what he knew in that moment? That God was there. That God was with him. He was doing the right, he was doing the work of the Lord and it didn't matter that they were stoning him. What mattered was the Lord was standing beside the father praising Stephen for what he was doing. Amen. See, God is the one who is there. He'll be there with you no matter what happens. You see, you can have much of the anxiety removed from your life if you just simply stop thinking everything depends on you and your ability to do everything just right and that you cannot make a mistake. But instead, if you trust in God, because if you can trust in God, you can find much peace because he will be there. And here's even what I found. Even if you make a mistake, God can work through that for his good. Right? There's a lot of relief in that, folks. I'm here to tell you. Now, if you trust God, then you should move to this next step, which is to seek God knowing he provides. Remember the end, so much of our anxiety centers around our, uh, our focus on what we have or what we don't have, what we think we need or what we want, believing if we have this stuff, then everything will be okay. Well, hear these important words of Jesus beginning back in verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his, life, his span of life? Well, won't y'all even go ahead and answer that this morning? Who of you? All right, none, right? Okay. If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What great words from Jesus. Amen? Quickly, let me say this. Don't take these words as an excuse for laziness. That's not what Jesus is encouraging here, because God's word even says that if you don't work, you don't eat. Okay? What is discouraging is the worry that we let consume our lives in the pursuit of things and the worry we have over our ability to provide the things we need. Jesus made it clear, worrying over these things will not add a single hour to your life. So instead of worrying, that you, what you should do is seek after God, knowing that if you seek after God and pursue the things that he desires for your life, that he will provide for your needs. In part, I believe, because when you seek after God, 
He shows you how to properly spend your money. He shows you how to properly plan for the future. He shows you what will really satisfy and that it is not the things of this world, but only him. And when you discover that Jesus is the only one and the only thing that can satisfy, you begin to invest even in different things, including the needs of the needy. You do this knowing that as you pursue after the things of God, you are storing up for yourself real treasures, not treasures on this earth that will eventually be destroyed, but treasures in the end that are a sure thing. If you really want to get rid of anxiety, make pursuing God your highest priority. And I know you can do that by practicing a couple of other scriptures I want to share with you this morning. First, look at 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because why? He cares for you. What I'm saying today is truly take your anxiety to God, because he does care for you. You can know he loves you, and he cares for you. Then practice these words in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. See, I encourage you today with a heart of thanksgiving, take your anxiety to God. He wants you to bring your prayers to him. And what I encourage you today is do this. Confess to him that you know that you let the fear of others drive you. Confess to him today that you know that you often trust in yourself more than you do even in him. Confess to God today that you have this tendency to pursue the wrong things in life and then do this. Then ask God, God, change my heart. God, I'm confessing these things to you. Now you change me. Ask him to help you not to fear others, but to fear him who cares for you. Ask him to help you trust him knowing he is always there. Ask him to help you have a heart that seeks after his kingdom, knowing that he will provide for your needs. Then in your mind, Instead of thinking about all that is wrong or that all that could go wrong, think about what is really true, not the lies you've been believing. Think about what is just, not what is unjust. Think about what is pure, not what is impure. Think about what is lovely, not what is ugly. Think about what is excellent, not what is less than it could be. Think about anything that is worthy of praise. Did you get up and breathe this morning? You have something to praise the Lord for. Right? Did did you get up this morning and have something to eat before you came to church? You have something to praise the Lord for. Did you get up and put on clothes before you came to church today? I don't see anybody naked today. So yes. And here's my guess. Even when you got up to get something to eat this morning, it wasn't that you just had something to eat. You looked and said, what of my choices are I'm going to eat for breakfast this morning? You, you probably even opened up the closet and said, which outfit am I going to wear today? 
It wasn't even that you just had what you need. It's that you had more than the abundance. And today you just stand up and praise God and say, thank you, Lord, for how good you've been to me. And if you don't have any of that, let me go ahead and tell you, you have one thing above all of that to be thankful for today, that Jesus Christ came and he died for your sin. And if you didn't have any of those other things, you would have enough to praise God for today because you said, God, you took care of my greatest need. You took care of my sin need that I know that I couldn't take care of myself. And God, because of that, you have promised me eternity. And if you're a believer in Christ today, you have everything to be thankful for. And today what you need to do is praise God for those and continue to be thankful for all of those things. Think about what is lovely. Think about what is pure. Think about what is holy. Think about all those things. And here's what God can do. He began to take that anxiety away from your life. And let me just say this to you. You can practice these things in your life because if you will give your anxiety to God, as we've talked about today, there are two things that you can know for sure. If you, do what I tell, if, I, if you do what I've told you this morning, you'll take your anxiety to God in the way that I've said, all right, where, where again, you, you fear him more all, yeah, knowing that he cares, all right? If you trust him, knowing that he's there, and today if you seek him above all things, if you do those things, I'm gonna tell you three things that I will assure you of today, which tells you you don't need to be anxious. You ready? Here they are. Number one, it's this, that God will work in your life for good. And number two, your relationship with God is secure. How do I know that? Well, Romans 8 tells me this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are all being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be anxious when you look to the Lord. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we bow into your presence... We again thank you for your word that at times touches on some very practical things in our life. And God, for us, as we come to you honestly this morning, you know that, Father, we deal with anxiety, that we fight it often every day. And so, Father, as we've looked into your word today and you've reminded us that we don't need to be anxious, Father, would you every day remind us of why? Remind us today that, Lord, you care for us. And so even if we fear you properly, Lord, we know that you'll be there. The Father, indeed, that we can trust you because no matter where we find ourselves, you're, you're there to not only provide but to take care of us. And that, Father, today, truly, if we'll seek after you, you will provide for our every need. Remind us a time and time again, Father, that there are, is no need in our life to be anxious. And when those anxious thoughts come, Father, help us to 
take them captive, as your word would say, and to begin to think about the things that are lovely and pure and holy and right. Those things that remind us again of your goodness in our life. So, Father, today we come to lay our lives before you, and I pray that you'll work in hearts and minds this morning because there are some who came here very anxious today, and honestly, they probably didn't like to hear these words. But, Father, my prayer for them would be, indeed, they would hear your word, and that, Father, you today would come and remove that anxiety from their life and that they could walk in peace. We thank you for even Luke already sharing his testimony of what you've done in his life, and he would say it's still a battle at times, but he's thankful, Father, that you've shown him the way, and that's to trust in you. Help us all to do the same, Father. Help us all just to trust in you today and let that anxiety flee. So bless us during this time of invitation, Lord. I know you want to work in hearts and minds. Let your Holy Spirit have his way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.